Welcome to Across the Pond NBA Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your host of Across the Pond NBA Podcast, Ryan Doherty and Rory Mitchell. NBA Across the Pond Podcast, and I'm joined today, Bryson Carver. How's it going, my man? I'm doing great, Rory. I appreciate you all uh, having me on the show once again. I know we're back, you know, and um, we were just talking before we hit the record button. Them Boston Celtics, man, <laughs> a commanding 3-0 lead. Can we talk about that? What's your takes? What's your takes from last night's show? Well, my takes on it, first of all, is I, I think thus far I've been validated in picking the Celtics to win the series because, simply put, they're the better team. Um, when you look at uh, – and, and Ime Udoka, their head coach, deserves a ton of credit for their turnaround you know, midseason. When you look at their ball movement offensively, uh, and, and then defensively, you know, they, they were they finished the season as the best defensive team in basketball. And so when you look at, I mean, ball pressure, double teams, communication, you know, offensively, Jason Tatum has not only become just a score, I believe he scored 35, 37, something like that last night, but also he's become a, a willing distributor, right? If he's got a shooter like a, a Marcus Smart or a Grant Williams or, or a Peyton Pritchard, you know, he, he gets those guys involved. Um you know, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of when Kobe Bryant got Pau Gasol and a lot of those shooters, and he sort of tweaked his game a little bit into, yes, a score first, but also somewhat of a distributor. Um, so Tatum deserves a ton of credit for that. But uh, so credit to Boston where it's due because, you know, you don't just go 3 on a series just out of luck. Um, but on the side of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, Kyrie Irving's played one good game in the series. That was game one. Uh, he's stunk since. Uh, and, and Kevin Durant has yet to have a signature moment, at least a signature positive moment in this series thus far. Um, you, you know, he's he's not being aggressive. He only took 11 shots last night. I mean, this this is a guy who I have constantly and consistently dubbed the most gifted scorer in NBA history. You can't take 11 shots, uh, one shot in the fourth quarter when your season is is on the line. Um, you can't go down 3-0. No team's ever come back from 3-0. So, um, this to me, I, I'm not big into the does this help or hurt their legacy, except in this case, I think this could be a massive stain on Kevin Durant's legacy, especially when you see how my Golden State Warriors are planned, you know, across across the country. Jesus Murphy, that's how we start. And we didn't even two minutes into the show, three minutes into the show. And this man is coming out the gate with the fire, ladies and gentlemen. So I got a little bit of bite back. How real is Boston? I know that they're beating this 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 juggernaut of a team with Kyrie and KD. KD looks like he's like on his last legs. I don't know about Kyrie. Maybe it's a conditioning thing. You know, maybe the game's getting up to him and things like that. But um, I asked you a question before we hit the record button. Is it a sweep or is it a Brooklyn Nets come back and force this to a game seven? Well, I, I think a sweep is far more likely than Brooklyn forcing a game seven. I will. I will die on the hill that Brooklyn wins a game. I say, I, I, I say, because at this point, I don't even know if I can trust Kevin Durant. I say Kyrie drops 30. I say some of the role guys, your Patty Mills and your Goran Dragic's of the world, um, you know, your Nick Claxton show up um, and, and, and get this to, you know, to a game five. Maybe Boston is, is, is kind of maybe overlooking the game four on the road and the Boston will close it out in game five. That's, that's my gut feeling as, as to what happens. I love how you say that now. You said about legacy. You know, I'm all about the legacy games. Game four is a legacy game. Mm -hmm. The importance, you know, Jason Tatum, KD. Jason Tatum is playing 
so much more better than KD. Like we we need this historic Hercules effort from from KD, the the snake himself. You know, you speak a la Golden State Warriors. You know, and right now it looks like a it looks like he made the wrong decision, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? And he should have stayed because you know if he would have stayed, maybe we'd be having a different conversation about the Golden State Warriors, maybe challenging for four titles, five titles, and things like that. You know what I mean? But Legacy game, game four, mon- Monday night. Monday night they're playing. Yes. Who's going to have the bigger game, Jason Tatum or KD? Well, I think Jason Tatum has the bigger game. Um, you know, I-, I talked about his scoring distributing. He's-, he's been really good in the defensive end of the floor. Um, and-, and so, you know, he's taken KD. He's taken uh, some of the other wing guys for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I say K- I'm sorry, I-, I say Jason Tatum plays better. Um, but like I said, I think some of the role guys uh, play better for the Nets. Um at home in a do or die game four and get this back to a game five. And then Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, those guys will go and close it out. But real quick to your last point about KD leaving uh, the Warriors, because, you know, speaking just objectively, forget that I'm a Warriors fan, just speaking objectively as a basketball fan, I didn't understand at the time, and certainly I don't understand it now, why you would leave not only a very stable and well-run organization for Brooklyn, which is kind of, you know, a teeter-totter franchise, but you're also, above all, you are leaving the most unselfish, low-maintenance superstar, maybe in sports, and Steph Curry, for Kyrie Irving, who you have no idea with this guy. And, so, you know, you, you leave depth, you leave an organization that develops talent well. I, th- this, years down the road, I think we'll look back at Kevin Durant and say, what the heck were you thinking? a good point you know but you could say the exact same thing in okc if they would have kept that band together you know i know it's i know it's early in his career but i would have loved to see okc stay together if the eagles weren't too much you know what i mean in gm and management they probably could have gotten a a championship somewhere there along the line i will say this i think monday night i think we're in for some fun i think we're going to be in for some fun i'm not going to predict who's going to win the game but I could see KD putting up that effort of maybe 40, 50. Hmm. I say 40, 50, you leave it all out on the line. Maybe Kyrie comes back if there's a game five. Then maybe it goes KD and Kyrie game six. And maybe we back, you know, in the garden game seven. <laughs> I hope so. You want to you know? talk about drama. I mean, hey, listen, I, sign me up. I hope you're right. I hope we get a you know, seven-game series because I, I think a lot of people thought that we would get that before the, the series started. Um, and to think sort of the fall of the Nets began with the Jason Tatum buzzer beater in game one, and they just really haven't recovered since then. That's so true. So we look at, we look at, we look at Boston, and I feel like Boston's not getting a lot of respect as far as how this season's been going. You know, after the All-Star break, they've, they've, been, they've been stomping through everything. Jason Tatum, that name, where do we put him right now as a, a top five or a top 10 player going into, into next season? Or does he have top five potential right now? Well, he certainly has top five potential. I don't think there's a question. I mean, what is he, 23, 24, which is scary to think that this guy still isn't in his prime yet. Um, and so just you, you talk about his work ethic, you talk about uh, the consistent improvement every year. He's, he's going to be a superstar in this league if he isn't that already. Um, you know, I did my top 10 players in the NBA going into the playoffs. And I said, going into, it, I said, this list is going to change after the playoffs is over. Cause you know, let's be real. This, the postseason makes and breaks players. 
Um, and clearly it has made Jason Tatum this go around. Um, and I, you know, I have no reason to believe that won't continue. Tatum wasn't in my top 10. He was like right on the fringe, like 11, 12. Um, but I think when you look at how some superstars in the playoffs in my top 10 have performed or have, have not performed, uh, I think Jason Tatum has secured himself a, you know, a, a spot, certainly in my top 10, but I, I would think in a lot of people's top 10 um, with, with the skill set that we mentioned. Um, but I agree with you. Boston, I don't think has got enough credit. Maybe it's because in the last few years, especially with the, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown Celtics, maybe it's because they've had some solid regular seasons. They win a playoff series or two, but they just don't have enough. Maybe on the defensive end or uh, maybe one of their stars has a cold shooting night and you know they end up losing to, say, a Cleveland back in 2018 or a Miami in 2020. Um, but I think this year it's a different Celtics team. It, it doesn't even look like the same Celtics team of the last few years. Uh, again, starting with their defense. I mean, that, that's what's, that's what's scary about the Celtics is yes, we know the offensive scoring threats that they have, but it, on a cold shooting night, their defense is going to keep them in these games. And so like that, that's what makes Milwaukee great as well. So like if we get a Milwaukee Boston second round, you know, fasten your seatbelts. Cause that could be a, a barn burner. I mean, I, I'm all for that one. Well, let's 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 speak on hypotheticals. I think that's going to be the series. Yeah. But now it comes down to Chris Middleton, the sprain MCL. He's out for the Chicago series. I don't really want to recap the Chicago Milwaukee series because after that other night and they had Thanos just just coming baseline and just banging on cats. I was like, hmm. (laughs) And this man was hype. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that series is done. I think that series is done middle of the week. Um, I think Chicago they got to play lights out, you know, as prior recording this, it's Sunday, you know, and things like that. So they got to play lights out for game four. You know, this is so much to really think about when we think about the possible Celtics versus Milwaukee series. And I think it comes down to the power of can Jason Tatum duplicate what he has done this series to carry it to the next series? Because now you're dealing with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that right there is like Thanos himself with all six rings for all my Marvel superhero fans. Yep. And I don't know if Chicago, not Chicago, I don't know if Boston has enough to even box him in. Do they throw a different defensive assignment? Do they build the wall? You know what I mean? I think Giannis is going to jump over the wall if it's Boston. I think it goes seven both ways. And this is coming from a guy that likes Giannis. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think you make a point, and that's Boston. If you if you talk about building the wall, like kind of like Toronto did in 2019, and like Miami did in 2020, you know Boston has the bodies to do that. They have Robert Williams and Daniel Tice and Al Horford. Um, so would they go with the big lineup uh, in order to combat you know Giannis's uh, skill set? That's that's sort of the mistake that Phoenix made last year in the finals. Is as good of a defender as DeAndre Ayton is, he's not good enough to just play Giannis straight up one on one, or he's going to get you know he's going to get his lunch taken from him. Um, so I, I would assume Boston would sort of throw out that game plan, as you mentioned. Um, the thing with, with Jason Tatum, the thing with the Celtics is certainly this goes without saying they're going to be, be playing a much better defensive team in the second round than they're playing you know, right now with the Brooklyn Nets. So you have that aspect of it. Um, but like I said, if Chris Middleton isn't able to go in this, I, I would think he probably comes back at some point during the series. But let's say he misses the first three, maybe even four games. Um as great as I think Giannis is, and I think currently he's the best player in the world, I don't think Milwaukee wins that series. And this is, I, I picked Milwaukee Oof. to get back to the finals. Um, but you look at Boston's momentum, 
they're a better defensive, not a ton better, but a better defensive team than Milwaukee. Um, and just as good offensively, if not better, losing Middleton could be a real death blow to the Milwaukee Bucks' chances at going back to back. I love that you say that. And you know what? I'm with you on that because I said, is whoever on the bottom half of the bracket between Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and the Celtics, I personally believe is going to the, the NBA Finals, right? They're representing the East, you know, which, which switches our directions. It's kind of like a switch. And we're going to We the North because Gia, last episode, <laughs> Gia came on and Gia is the Philadelphia 76ers fan. I should have knocked on the door. I should have should have hit her ping notification be like, yo, come talk about what happened on Saturday afternoon because I'm not a Raptors fan. I've been on the record. And I see the Toronto Raptors play lights out, momentum, do or die, Jurassic Park, Scotiabank Arena. The fans are outside. Everybody's ranting. They're raving. Now this series has just got interesting. Joel Embiid doing all the antics. He's clapping at the refs. Drake was in attendance. You know the vibes. You know how everything is going. And I'm going to say this. Monday night, I believe, also, too. I think they play Monday night, too. Yes, they do. Yes, they play Monday the, night. The Toronto Raptors, game five in Philadelphia. And I'm going to say something right now, and I'm going to go on the hill here. The Raptors win game five and make just make this series a game seven and make it hella interesting on the Philadelphia 76ers. You heard it here first. It's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Gia Lancey, the Philadelphia 76ers and yourself, y'all better win game five. Because if y'all don't win game five, Raptors are taking it in seven. You heard it here first. Back to you, Bryson. Wait a second. So wait, you said if... If Philadelphia loses game five, which is certainly a possibility considering Embiid's injury, you're saying Toronto not only takes it seven, but wins it in seven? Wins in seven. Wins in seven. So the Toronto Raptors become the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-0 deficit. So you're going to hear this now. I'm I'm going to light some fire here, right? James Harden don't show up game five, six, or seven. So that's the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm rolling dice here. You know what I mean? And I think the Raptors can get it done. You know what I mean? I don't, as long as, and I hear a lot of Raptors fans talking crazy now about the refs in the series. I could say the exact same thing about a lot of different series, but the thing is, is you have to play the game. You got to play basketball. You got to put the ball in the hoop. You got to play defense. You can't leave it into the refs' hands. We already get that. It's yep. there. So I have to go with that turning point. They like to say the TSN or the sports center turning point. <laughs> Raptors win game five. I can confidently say this, and this is coming from a non-Raptors fan. They win game five. They go back to Scotiabank Arena. It's going to be noisy as heck. Oh. Trust me. It's going to be buzzing in there. You know, you're going to have a bunch of T-Rexes running around. <laughs> you know what I mean? No pun intended. But, yeah, Raptors force is seven, and they win. I'm saying it. Okay. That is a bold prediction on your part. I, I, I give you bold. a lot of credit for having, having the bold. guts to, to go out on a limb. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing is for Toronto is they're just too beat up. Scotty Barnes is out there playing on one ankle. Uh, you know, credit to him for, for going out there and gutting it out in game four, you know, showing a ton of heart and, and grit. Um, Embiid clearly didn't adjust well, at least in game four, uh, to the finger injury. It, it just sucks for, for Joel because, you know, it's this is, and I said on my show, like this is the first time where he has been consistently healthy all season. And then once again, it's just like last year, he had the, the knee injury uh, coming out of the Washington series and it affected them against Atlanta in the second round. I feel like it, we're seeing sort of similar vibes, you know, w- with, with this go around with Joel Embiid. Um, 
I, I think Philadelphia understands that they have to win game five. Uh, like you said, that Toronto, Scotiabank Arena has one of the most electric atmospheres in sports. I can attest to that as a Warriors fan when we played them in the finals. That place was shaking. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It's unbelievable fan base. Um, so Philadelphia doesn't want to have to deal with that again. I think Joel Embiid shows up. I'm going to say he gives you 28 and 12, 28 points, 12 rebounds. And I don't think Harden will have to show up because the good news for Philadelphia is they have another score in Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I think Maxey shows up. He's been great in, uh, you know, at home at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm going to say Philadelphia wins by seven. Is that you standing on that hill by yourself too? I'm going to, I'm going to stand on that hill. Yes. Wow. Cause I'm I, I had a six game series going into it, but. The other yeah. night I was, uh, when they were playing game three, I was on a three-way conversation. I get pinged into a conversation with two of my guys and I'm, so my TV is like about 10 seconds ahead. So I saw when the Joel and B shot went up and I put myself on mute and I start laughing because I am not invested in that series, right? <laughs> There's two other series I'm invested in and my team may, may not go out, but we'll get to that. Right. You know, and I'm like, I get the Raptors pride, you know, me being in Canada, you talk about 2019, like it was still, it's still surreal because it's still crazy, Bryson. Like when I think about them in the streets, right that whole toronto this scene was just crazy and i i'm a golden state warriors guy you know what i mean also too so i always tell the raptor fans i say listen game seven if it would have been 2019 game seven steph curry goes for 40 and he has a unanimous mvp and y'all don't even sniff the championship because steph is holding it at center court <laughs> that would have been Game seven in Toronto. Like, can you imagine? I've always thought about that. If Clay Thompson does not get hurt in game six, I, I don't, I think even Raptors fans would agree the Warriors win game six because Clay was not going to, I mean, even without Clay, it still came down to the last shot there at the end by Steph. And, you know, he just wasn't able to knock it down. Game seven, can you, I mean, it had been an electric atmosphere in Toronto. Can you imagine the pressure on the Raptors because they had a 3 1 lead? I, I would have given anything to see that, certainly as a Warriors fan, but just the, I know Kawhi would have dealt with it fine. It's everybody else that I would have worried about. And I think you could have, you would have been able to feel the, the tense, uh, the tense energy and the pressure, you know, in, in that building. But, you know, I guess we'll never know. KD with half a leg showed how much pressure it was. You know what yep. I mean? And they stood around the perimeter. It's just when he made the routine cut, accidents happen. You know yep. what I mean? And, sure. and, and that's the thing about the raps, you know, they, they're in a good situation. They're young. I'd call this the development situation, but I spoke about it the last episode. What about Nick Nurse now? Because there's some interesting talking points about what's going to happen with him. And if you have your guy that came in to win a championship, if you're Masai Ujiri, do you take everything that it is to keep Nick Nurse in Toronto with what you have right now and build around it? Or do you let Nick Nurse go to LA to go hang out with LeBron and AD and the rest of the company. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm a Sayujiri, I do everything possible to keep Nick Nurse there because he's done such an excellent job at developing you know these young players. Now, if I'm Nick Nurse, I don't know why you would go to Los Angeles for a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, number one, the pressure is is times twenty in LA compared to Toronto, and number two is you are leaving a great culture. You know, with the Toronto Raptors, great upper management. Uh, you know, they draft well. Uh, they've got a very bright future with some of these young players. And you're going to Los Angeles where it's nothing but chaos. Uh, the upper management is not, you know, it, it's, it's the organization is not well run. 
um, you know, how much, uh, how, how much pressure is it to coach LeBron James? Can Anthony Davis stay healthy? I always say if there's more questions than answers, then you might want to stay away. And there's way more questions than answers with the Los Angeles Lakers, especially now after not even making the play-in tournament, uh, as opposed to the Raptors who caught everybody off guard and ended up being the five seed in what I think you know was the better conference. I think the East was better than the West this year. So I, I don't see why Nick Nurse would leave. Um, but if there's a, if there's a possibility he would, then I think Messiah Jerry needs to, you know, do everything possible to make sure he stays there. Well said. Jeez. Well, well said. So let's go to this series because I know that this series is very beneficial to both of us. I'm a Timberwolves fan. You Golden State. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan also too. This Memphis Grizzlies team, I've been, I've been talking about them a lot. Last night I watched the game. I'm off and off and out of like falling asleep because these late games are getting doesn't matter if it's even the weekend like i can't stay up <laughs> you yeah, know what i mean I feel you. so memphis grizzlies are showing that they're a team that's really challenging to beat right what's the mystique we know it's the defense but is there something that we're missing is there a player that we're missing on that team that's the catalyst i know everybody wants to run the john morant before i give it back to you i'm gonna say this I've seen this kid, Desmond Bain, and I'm going to tell people this right now. Desmond Bain is starting to really look like he's going to, it's going to be hard to pay him or probably hard to keep him in Memphis because he can shoot. He's a big body, play a little bit of defense. He can muck it up with you. But he's, I would say, the X factor to see how far the Memphis Grizzlies are going to go. Everybody wants to say Dylan Brooks. I still don't see it personally but i think it's desmond bain personally that's going to be the, the the big the big piece to this puzzle what do you think and uh with everything i just kind of broke down there well obviously sort of the the most famous stat with the memphis grizzlies this season is that they did go 20 and 5 without their superstar john morant and in most of those games it was desmond bain who was you know the leading scorer knocking down shots he's a phenomenal three-point shooter uh you know this this past game game four against the minnesota timberwolves i believe he scored 30 um, while John Morant was terrible, only scoring 11 points and, and not doing it very efficiently. Um, I, Memphis is, is a tough team to figure out because you have the youth. They are great defensively. Taylor Jenkins has done a great job you know, as a head coach. He, he very well might be, if I had to vote, my coach of the year. Um, they're deep. You know, I mean, they, they, they legit go t- you know, 10, 11 guys deep you know, into their roster. I think the issue with them, and this is why I said going in the playoffs, it's not that I don't like them. It's not that I don't think they have, don't have a bright future. I just think this go around with Phoenix on one side of the bracket and them, if they, first of all, if they beat Minnesota, having to face Golden State in the second round, I think those teams are more well-equipped, more experienced in the playoffs, and I think ultimately that will you know come back to bite the, the Grizzlies. Um, but I think they have extremely bright future. I, th- I think, you know, if, if you told me the Grizzlies are going to win the championship, you know, within the next five years, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I would be shocked if it were this year though. Um, so, but yeah, I'm with you. I do love Desmond Bain. Um, he's a phenomenal defensive player. Uh, he's a great, great shooter, great scorer just in general. And, um, I would say the X factor for the Grizzlies, I would say Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm, because okay. when you look at what he brings in the defensive end of the floor, you look at he's an improved three-point shooter. So, you know, you can't just, you know, leave him alone out there. Um, I don't, I, I think if, I, I think if they lost Jaron Jackson, you know, Lord forbid to injury, I think it would be a greater loss than a Desmond Bain. That, I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion. Cause um, 
the presence he brings on that side of the floor, you know, defensively, uh, he's really the anchor of what they do on that end of the floor. And then offensively, he can, he can give you 20 points. So, um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., should they advance and play the Warriors, I, I think will be the X factor. Yeah, I, you make some good points there too. This series, it's very challenging because it can go either way, right? Mm-hmm. I think majority of people are talking Memphis. I think social media is talking Minnesota. And that's what I'm seeing, the general consensus. I don't, as a Timberwolves fan, it worries me that we're not supposed to even be here. So I'm happy that we're here. But I need to see a lot. And I'm, I'm going to start with Carl Anthony Towns. The edge he played with on Saturday night was remarkable as well, you know, put together. And if he continues to keep doing this, then there's going to be opposing trouble for Memphis. And I think the series can go seven either way. But I have to hold one dude accountable on this team. Actually, two. Pat Bev, please take the ball out your hands. Because Pat Bev be doing some things, man. I'm like, why are you the like the main focal point? Like, you're in the offensive skill set's not even there. If I go put no. 2K in, you're not shoot, I'm not shooting shots with you. I don't even care how, how much I know your jump shot. It's it's not going in. Can I green light every single time? I don't know. It's D'Lo. Mm. I think D'Lo is the biggest piece to the success of this team because we know Anthony Edwards can do what he needs to do. But D'Lo does a lot of things that make me question. I'm like, I'm getting signs of LA, Brooklyn, wherever else you played. And this is the reason why you never cut it in these organizations. You have the ability right now to be not only the second score or the third score on this team. And if we can get consistent 18 to 24 points, I truly feel like we win this series hands down, right? This next game that's being played, Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Yes, Tuesday they play. I don't know, Bryson. I'm going to be honest. I'm not confident going into that game. I think it goes back to Minnesota. We win in Minnesota, and then game seven is just whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. And the thing for Minnesota is, you know, just like Memphis, they're young. Um, the, the issue with the Timberwolves, and you mentioned Anthony Edwards, which is funny. He's, I, I think he's the youngest player on the team, and it seems like – He's the only guy, you know what you're getting. You're going to get your 25 points a game. You know, he's improved. You know, I think you would know as a Timberwolves fan, especially from last year, he has improved drastically on the defensive end of the floor uh, and has kind of bought into, I guess, Chris Finch's, you know, system he's brought in. Like you said, the two most frustrating, you know, stars on the team are D'Angelo Russell and are Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns may give you 30 points, you know, 12 rebounds, or it could be like game three where he gives you eight points on four shots and five rebounds. Like that's that's the issue with I was talking to a buddy of mine last night about about cap. There's there's such an unpredictability as to what he's going to give you on a nightly basis. And, you know, like even even the press conference after game three was awful. Um, you know, next questioning this and I'm going to, you know, drink wine that like it, it's like at least show a little bit of accountability now to his credit. He bounced back big time in game four. But, you know, he's had some real stinkers, you know, thus far. The playing game against the Clippers, uh, like I mentioned, game three. What Carl Anthony Towns are you going to get? If you're getting 30 and 11 from him, you can easily win the series, you know, considering how John Murray is not exactly showing up, you know, right now for, for, for the Grizzlies. Um, and D'Angelo Russell, like you said, you know, he was with uh, the Warriors for, you know, that brief stint uh, before he was traded for Andrew Wiggins. And I remember, it was, ironically, it was against the Timberwolves. He scored 50. He's got that ability. Um you just wonder if sometimes he gets in his own head. Sometimes you you wonder uh, the the aggressiveness that that's there. You know he, he's he's got the natural scoring ability. He's got a great floater. He's got a good handle. 
Um, you know, he's real nifty with the basketball. You just don't know, you know, what you're getting on a night-to-night basis from him and certainly from Carl Anthony Towns. If you get great play out of those two, I think Minnesota wins the series. I really Let's do. Let's hope. Let's really hope because I want to watch a series. Either which way, it doesn't matter because I still, my second favorite team is Golden State. You know what I mean? But I would love to see Minnesota, Golden State, because now we have another conversation piece. You know what I mean? Because there's nobody going to stop Carl Anthony Towns on Golden State. Like, I'm sorry. And I don't, I think they can play well. I think if Golden State was to play Minnesota, I think it's done in five personally, because, but then again, I think about it and I'm like, well, Carl Anthony Towns can probably give us about two games. So maybe six, you know what I mean? Sure. We can, we're not stopping Steph or Clay or your man's Jordan Poole, but we won't get into that. After. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I need to just see this. I, I, I think this, I think the city of Minnesota needs this because there's not really any trending sports teams. Yeah, you got the Vikings. Yes, you got the Twins. The Timberwolves are really the happening thing. The Minnesota Wild and the NHL, they're doing, they're doing what they need to be doing. But we're not talking about hockey. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to see. I just want to see if this team can really get out. And if they can get out, you know, or they, they sometimes they fall short, go out there and try to get that veteran leadership. I, I've said this. I say this again. CJ McCollum is a name that I think a lot of players, I don't mean a lot of players, a lot of teams could have got, like Toronto. I would have liked to see Toronto make a run for him. You know, they, he could have been a big addition in the playoffs. And even Minnesota, personally, you know what I mean? I, sure. I could have dealt without, you know, a D-Lo possibly or a Pat Bev, but I get Pat Bev's a defensive anchor and things like that. But he's got to stop shooting the basketball. I'm over yes. it. Please. You're not, you, your offensive skill set is meant to just disrupt on no the defensive bad. end and maybe get a layup, layup somewhere. You know, maybe a steal, fast break. <laughs> I kind of know. What we're shooting, dude, dude. We're spending too much time on Patrick Beverly. Like we're we're spending way too much time. <laughs> way too much time that he. The thing is, he's getting the airtime though, and it's <laughs> yes. crazy. It's crazy, man. Pat Bev, <laughs> man, it's crazy. All right, so we here. Last talking point. You have the shirt on, man. I got Steph shirt. Let's. This is for the record-breaking shirt from when he broke it at the Garden, the the three-point record. That's you know, that's my guy. I got I got I got to rep my guy, of course. Let's go, man! Like Jordan Poole. Oh, he's he he is when you when you look at the fact, Rory, that he was not out for most improved player is a basketball crime. Because I remember his rookie year, because that was a season that, you know, Clay was hurt, Katie had just left, and, and Steph had broken his hand four games in, so they, they went into tank mode. And I remember Jordan Poole started most of those games, and I'm thinking, Ugh, gosh, I mean, he's inefficient, he's scoring nine points a game, shooting under 40%. Like, I'm, I'm not real sure he, he's going to be a part of our, you know, long-term plans. Last year, he got off to a rough start and went to the G League came back and was a different player he ended up averaging 12 points a game and you know most of the Warriors games down the stretch he was in their closing lineup and hitting big shots um and then this year when, when you look at how he's had to adjust back and forth given the status of Clay Thompson's health and Steph's health you know Clay's obviously hurt to start the season and Jordan Poole starts for the first two months um plays well and then once Clay's inserted back into the lineup he goes through sort of a once he's moved back to the bench he goes through sort of an adjustment period I think and, you know, when, when you deal with that, when you deal with obviously Steph getting hurt and now you're back into the starting lineup, I think now he's found a real comfort zone. 
And when you look at his handle, obviously his shot, I, I've said it is safe to say it is the splash triplets now. He, it, he, I, I have just as much confidence in Jordan Poole short, you know, shooting a three than I do Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. I, I just do. Uh, you look at the fact he's averaging almost 30 points a game in the series against Denver. Um, but I, I, I will uh, – l- let, me, let me turn the question around to you because Steph Curry is going to be back in the starting lineup soon. Yeah, it, c- it could be as soon as game four against Denver. It could be the next round. So Steph, Clay, and Draymond are the no-doubt starters, okay? So you're making a decision between three guys, Poole, Looney, Wiggins. My take is you leave Poole in the starting lineup. You don't want to screw around with this mojo that he's got going on right now. I put Wiggins on the bench, and here's why. Because I, I want your take on just a second, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. I keep Looney in the starting lineup for this reason, okay? So in the second round, they're going to either have to deal with Jaron Jackson of Memphis or Carl Anthony Towns. In the Western Conference Finals, I think we both assume Phoenix is probably going to end up there. Maybe, 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 maybe. It's a maybe. <laughs> Let's just say hypothetically, Memphis is in the Western Conference Finals. You got DeAndre Ayton. What Kavon Luna gives you is six fouls. What he gives you is the ability to keep Draymond Green out of foul trouble so that Draymond can take them for the rest of you know the first and second half. So Looney plays the first six minutes of the first half, first six minutes of the second half. That's all you need from him. And then Wiggins goes in and he's in your closing lineup. What's your take? That's <laughs> that's a good take. You kind of stumped me here. I would say is leave the lineup the way it is right now and have Steph come off the bench. Really? Yes. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. You can't prepare for Steph with your second unit. It's true. There's nobody on the respective teams in the West that can hold him. So teams are going to have to adjust. That's kind of how I'll answer the question. Because Steph Curry on the bench means, okay, so you look at Memphis. Their second, Tyus Jones, the second unit, Tyus Jones. Stop. He's not holding him, right? Then you skate past. You look at possibly even Dallas or maybe Utah. You got to look at what's on the bench there. Utah, what, Jordan Clarkson? Stop it, right? Not happening. Now you look at, who did I say? Utah, not Utah, Dallas. Who does Dallas, Dallas have? Who does Dallas have? Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know. Stop it. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? And Phoenix, stop it. I say is you skate with what you have right now. You okay. can pull out Andrew Wiggins. because If I squint hard enough, Andrew Wiggins is no different than Otto Porter Jr. I'm going to keep it real. I'm not really seeing a whole lot over there. It's still the same kind of player. Okay. <laughs> you know I mean, I think he gives you more of the defensive end than Otto Porter gives you. Like the, the Wiggins role is different for the Warriors. Give us 15 points and great defense. That that that's what Andrew Wiggins' mm-hmm. role is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like where their Achilles heels are going to come into play, they don't have that massive rim protector, which should right. be Wiseman. But all will fail. I mean, all will not fail. All will go to where they have to go to. I think the way the team is conditioned right now, it's a 2016 run that's going to equal into 2019 redemption. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't see how this team is going to – I don't see the issues that they're going to have. I think they can beat Phoenix. I think they can beat the remaining guys. Memphis, I know everybody's gung-ho on this Memphis Grizzlies defense and Dylan Brooks, and they got beat last year. Bryce, in between me and you, it's not happening. I don't care. John Morant can put up 80. It's not happening. Desmond Bain is probably going to be 
the person that they're going to have to alter, like Desmond between Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, to figure out the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole situation, right? right? And if you're if you put Desmond Bain on like a Jordan Poole or like a Steph or a Clay, he can rough him up because he's a big body. You know what I mean? And then just keep intertwining that with with Dylan Brooks, because if Dylan Brooks shows up with the antics in the next series, if we're hypothetically saying he's getting cooked, that's barbecue chicken in Shaq's voice. You see yep. what I'm saying? So. To answer your question, don't change it up until we have to see a reason to change it up, right? Okay. And I get like, you know, pride and Steph probably wants to go out there and be in the starting role. But right. if you look at what's going on right now, I like what's happening because it's going to confuse teams and it's going to make teams to adjust to you. I'll also say this. If Denver had Jamal Murray, healthy Jamal Murray, I think the series would look a lot different right now, right? Sure. You sure. know, and, and things like that. Golden State has to now... Win Sunday afternoon, get the three to five days rest, get your wits about you, look at the other series and prepare. Because if the if the Memphis Timberwolves series goes seven, that's probably not starting realistically till next Sunday, maybe Monday. I think Tuesday, next week. based on how the schedule goes, I think it might be Tuesday. Tuesday. So you might get a good week rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is like what I say about teams is when you have teams in the stranglehold, you got to close it out. Philadelphia could have used that. Yes. Close it out. You know, heal yourself. Get those little nicks and things like that. You know what I mean? Because that Miami Atlanta series. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that one, man. I'm going to tell people that that series might go six, seven itself, too. You think so? Because Atlanta is, is a hot team. They after the All-Star break being out. So they had a good home record and things like that. And again, you know, like I don't want to spend all the time on all the series because it'd be like an eight-hour podcast and things. Yeah. But you know, you just got to take in consideration when you know you're the the top of the food chain as a as a team. You got to be able to close these series out within four to five games. I agree consistently until it gets deeper in where you're like, okay, maybe this is gonna go six, maybe it's gonna go seven, and things like that. Well, you know, it, it it kind of reminds me of you know, sort of keeping it with the Warriors. It reminds me of the 2019 run, the last Kevin Durant you know year where remember they got the Clippers in the first round and they messed around, played with their food and they, you know, they, it went all the way to a game six and people may sort of look over that. Well, you know, the Warriors, they, they still took care of business. They still beat the Clippers. They were supposed to beat the Clippers. Could you make the argument and look, we're, we're not doctors, but could we make the argument that maybe that washed these guys' bodies down? And maybe that is why Kevin Durant got hurt against Houston the next round. Maybe that, you know, you know, same thing. Andre Guadalla got hurt in the Western Conference Finals. You know, like some of those, you know, little, you know, knickknack injuries, as you talked about, uh, you know, those bumps and bruises that, that you don't have to take for an extra game or, you know, that case, two games. Um, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's it's when, you, when you've got, you know, hypothetically, if you've got your, your foot on a team's neck, go ahead and finish it off. Like, don't screw around. Don't let this go five or six. And, and, you know, make sure you close down. Like you said, you know, a week, week's rest, you'll be playing a team that just went through a knockout, dragout series. Advantage Warriors and advantage anybody who, you know, sweeps or even, you know, gets a gentleman sweep. Well, and I look at it even with Memphis now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our guy, John Morant, reckless, 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 reckless. The, the, the shimmy cuts when you're already at the hoop and you're putting all that wear and tear on your body. Mm-hmm. Telling people this, Memphis fans, that's going to come back to haunt you in this series. You know what I mean? Even if they win, because he's been nicked up 
I'm even looking at last night. A lot of these guys are getting bumps and bruises and stuff like that. Like that series is very, very physical. I feel it's one of the series that not a lot of people are talking about when it comes to physicality, you know? So you have to really put two and two together when you're these teams. I'm not saying Memphis should be closing out the Timberwolves in, in five games or four games, but you got to do your, do your due diligence of protecting the players and things like that. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and that's, you know, with John Morant and, you know, the kid really earned my respect when he did, you know, beat my Warriors in that playing game when he played so well. Uh, the thing, the only thing that scares me about John Moran, I've said this on my on my show multiple times, that he reminds me so freaking much of Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Like he, the the awkward lands after these poster dunks, you know, jumping up high in the. Obviously, we know the kid is ridiculously athletic. Um, it, that block he had against the Lakers, uh, I think it was on Avery Avery Bradley's layup, was freakish. But I heard, like I heard somebody talk about this. The issue with Derrick Rose is how he landed after those high flying plays, and eventually that got him, and it, and it ended Derrick Rose as we knew and loved him. And I really, really hope that's not the case with John Morant because he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, he's improved his three point shooting. Uh, he's got the handles. He's you know just intangibles. You know, speaking of intangibles, he's he's a phenomenal leader. He's he's a heartbeat of that Memphis organization. Um, I just really, really hope that he doesn't, you know suffers an injury similar to Derrick Rose. Cause look what today's modern medicine, you can come back from that. Mm-hmm. But if it happens over and over and over that wear and tear is going to get you and end your prime before it really even gets a chance to, you know, get started. Well said. And I think he needs to know when to turn that switch and turn that switch off. But yeah. this is where I position it to what's your training staff and what's those basketball coaches and your shooting coaches and your conditioning coaches really telling you, you know what I mean? Yep. Because to go up and do these contorting moves to land, last time I checked, once you jump, you can't really control how you land if you're twisting and turning. Because you have to be mindful. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is that some of these players, I'm not saying that every team or you have people that are goons, but some guys will knock you out the air. It's playoffs now. So hard foul, you know, let's, let's give them a little bump. Give them that extra little bump. If you don't have a clear landing spot, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's like an aircraft. If an aircraft does not have a, a clear landing spot, it has the ability to circle around before it makes the land. Right. John Morant, you can't circle around before you land. Like you're going either in the crowd, right? Or prime example, look at look at Paul George's leg injury. Oh what happens? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Look yeah. at the situations even with, when Joel Johnson got hung up on the rim. You don't have these landing pads, these landing areas. You have to be mindful because you know what? Maybe some of you land on somebody and they can catch you and whatever, but and you can somehow break your fall. But I'm telling you, it's like the other night, I feel like it was game three when he cut and he he fell flat on his face. I was like, that's an injury. And he got up. And I'm like, gotta hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing: like anybody will tell you. The you know NBA floors have no give, like none. Uh, so you you take that in consideration too. So it's not like you know just a typical gym. Like it's you know we we see how they put these arena floors together. It's it's basically like, you know like puzzle pieces. The floor has no give, and so you know it's not going to be very forgiving when you constantly come down hard over and over and over. Um, but no, I I agree with you. It's it's you know just really cross your fingers and hold your breath for this guy because you, know, you you don't want him to jeopardize the future of his career. Absolutely. Any last words, Bryson, before we get out of here? 
Listen, man, I, I've, I've said it on my show all season, and I'm going to say it on the great Across the Pond Sports Network. The Golden State Warriors are going to be your 2022 NBA champions. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna put it down right here. I've been saying that since last July. The, 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 the depth, the shooting, the experience. You know, you, you got young guys, you got veterans, and your best players are all pretty much in their prime. And you got a great coach in Steve Kerr. The Golden State Warriors are gonna be your 2022 NBA champions, and hopefully next time I come on here, maybe I can have some like championship, you know, gear on you know, my head and my T-shirt and all that, and just make it as tacky as humanly possible. You know, I'll say this, and I, and I and I feel like James and Ryan would not have an issue with this. I think when it comes around to the Western Conference Final, Eastern Conference Final, heading into the NBA Finals, we need to expand the panel a little bit. So, especially if it's NBA Finals, you know, whoever's in, like we need to have different takes and things like that. So, yeah. make it more of the 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 comeback show to lead up to the finals. Because I'm with you on there, you know, and and to close it out, like. Golden State right now looks like the most dangerous team in the West. Everybody's going to tell me about the Phoenix Suns, but then now Devin Booker has a hamstring injury, and I'm going to tell people this. You can't rehab the hamstring in playoffs. No, you can't. Especially with the nights of these in-between. I don't care if you have two nights off or three nights off. It's not happening. You can get all the treatment, but you still have to run, and that's going to be continuously in lingering and lingering and lingering. But I'm there for the Golden State Warriors to represent the West. The East now <laughs> going to be a little challenging. I like to say Milwaukee. I want to see Milwaukee Golden State Finals. I'm just oh, I do too. That. I think that will be one of them finals that we have a lot of conversations about. Absolutely. No, that, that, that's like you said, it's one of those finals that, you know, years down the road, we're going to be doing sort of, we always do this with the NBA Finals, the what ifs. Um, I, I feel like that could be, you know, that could be in the conversation. I'm still not, you know, ruling out Miami. Um, now, obviously, they don't have the superstar power that a Boston or that a Milwaukee does, uh, but they're phenomenal. The defensive of the floor, they do have good scores. You know, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. Um, so, I, I'm with you. I, I would take Milwaukee. I took Milwaukee before the season to get back to the finals and play the Warriors. Uh, and I'm gonna stick by that, especially if Chris Middleton comes, uh, comes back. So let's play this last hypothetical. What if we get a Golden State Warriors Boston Celtics final? That would be interesting because you have two again great defensive teams. You know, Boston certain Boston certainly give the edge to those guys. Um, you know, they play offensively. They play very similar in that you have the ball movement, you have the cuts. Um, now, Golden State's just a constant motion offense. Boston isn't really that. Um, that sounds to me like a six or seven game series. That would be I think very, very. Seven. I, hey, listen, I'm all for it. I mean, that 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 would be a phenomenal NBA Finals. Absolutely, Bryson. Where can everybody check you out? Listen to your great takes, man. Like, and I'll say this: I'm gonna hype you up even more here. Check this man's page out. You know what I mean? Because you are surgical when it comes down to your breakdowns. So keep it going. You know, hats off to you. Love, peace, prosperity with the content creation with your show. And uh, where can everybody check you out? Instagram podcast all that great stuff my man yeah well first of all i appreciate the compliments uh rory uh and, and i love what you're doing with your show and across the pond um you can catch carving it up on mondays thursdays and fridays live shows on uh at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific time you could check us out on facebook uh youtube twitter that's where we do the live shows uh on social media instagram is at carving it up podcast uh twitter is at carving it up pod just pod and then Facebook, you could search Bryson Carver and the Carving Up logo, you know, should be right there. So, and also 
I just want to throw this out, uh, you know, for, for everybody, uh, doing a, I'm sure you've seen Rory. I'm doing a, a 10 part series on the U S presidents, like shaking it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, got a, you know, a great co-host Isaac Lawson, you know, shout out to him. And, you know, we, we break down all the presidents of the United States. So sort of kind of trying to expand, uh, beyond just the world of sports. I love my sports. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, going into a field that, you know, I've always been fascinated with, uh, as, as well. So the carving it up us presence edition every Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, every Saturday morning, uh, check it out. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can find the show, man. Hey man, I think everybody got to check that out. You know, me over in Canada, we, we do prime ministers and premiers. Yeah. We don't do presidents. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So I definitely have to take out some of those, check out, sorry, some of those pieces and things like that, but shout outs to you, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, uh, across the pond network, NBA basketball show playoff edition and we're out welcome to across the pond nba podcast part of the across the pond sports network don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website atpsports.net now over to your host of across the pond nba podcast ryan doherty and rory mitchell